Hello, folks. Welcome to the IoT Time podcast. I am Ken Briota, Editorial Director for IoT Evolution. And here on IoT Time, I try to talk about all the things that I think are interesting, innovative, and hopefully important in the Internet of Things. We're going to get to our episode in just a moment, but as per usual and as you come to expect, I want to talk to you for a moment about IoT Evolution Expo 2021. It's time to grow. Uh, You may have heard on past episodes of the podcast or in our various announcements that our dates have moved. It turns out everything in the world is up in the air, and we're uh, lucky enough to have been able to work with our venue, the Miami Convention Center, to move our show from February to June. So now uh, at uh, the second to last week of June, we will be down in Miami with our fully live uh, event where we are bringing the IoT together. Hopefully not for the first time since all of this began, but maybe. And we are uh, really optimistic that uh, we're going to be able to get together in uh, in Miami in June. There's a lot going on with the show, and I want you to check that out at IOTEvolutionExpo.com. That's IOTEvolutionExpo.com. If you'd like to join us as an exhibitor or sponsor, this is the perfect opportunity for you to uh, jumpstart uh, your recovery post-COVID, hopefully, and uh, or get back in touch with those folks that have been head down and doing all the good work that the IoT has been doing throughout all of uh, the COVID crisis here and the pandemic as we've all been locked down, hopefully being responsible citizens and neighbors for one another. You can uh, also get your early, early bird registration rates now. We've extended those out, what with extending the dates. And you can find all of those. uh, Now is your best opportunity to get the good rates on the conference passes at IOTEvolutionExpo.com. So check all that out on the web there. And uh, the links to that are in the show notes. But I think that is enough on the gilding of the lily front because my guest today is Ed Olson of Quantella. And we're going to talk about Erie, Pennsylvania and smart cities. Ed, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much, Ken. It's a pleasure to be here and and to talk about uh, something besides uh, the pandemic or limitations on our lives. Um, Yep, yep. Uh, I'll do just a quick brief introduction of uh, who I am and what Quantella is, and, and sure. then we can jump right into the project. Um, my name is Ed Olson. I work for a company called Quantella, which is a uh, digital technology company that creates solutions to drive IoT and smart city technologies. And what that simply means is our technology helps you remotely manage your smart communities and cities. We analyze the data, we clean it up, we normalize it. We can then dis- distribute that data that we receive from all endpoints, meaning uh, traffic cameras, video analytics, uh, any type of digital sensors, lighting, smart parking, smart waste, uh, digital signage endpoints, and some of the things that we're going to talk about today, which is uh, enabling large public Wi-Fi networks with Wi-Fi onboarding opportunities, right, to create a really comprehensive communication platform. Uh, I've been with Quantella now for uh, a number of months, uh, and it's my job is to find cities and communities out there who are struggling with their budget in this day and age of of the pandemic and all the different uh, major events that these cities are going through where their budgets are really strained uh, and money is going to so many things to protect their citizens and to better prepare them for this, um, this set of events. Um, that it's my job, uh, we have a funding partner to find the right candidates so that we can then enable them with five key technologies that can drive revenue or cost savings. Wi-Fi onboarding would be one of them, digital signage uh, networks would be another, uh, smart lighting, smart parking, and video analytics. Any combination of those will enable me to help cities 
by funding their projects today when they need it most uh, and use those technologies to pay back that investment over a number of years. Mm -hmm. um, so we're really happy to have that with our partner Digital Alpha and allowing Quantella to be a lead in, in going out and meeting communities like Erie, Pennsylvania um, and other ones across the nation when they really can use these technologies and it's proven out that smart city technologies have really been a powerful tool in your toolbox for cities to really be able to plan better, um, you know, to be able to execute better and also to be able to prepare better for the next time. Um, so, so Quantella has done a great job of pulling together a group of partners, including CloudSpot, which we'll talk about a little bit. Mm -hmm, and just mm -hmm. as a quick reference prior to that, I worked at Cisco Systems for 10 years, working with their digital signage project products, their uh, smart city products, and their Wi-Fi products. My specialty is understanding technology and then being able to execute that technology to drive revenue or cost savings. And in many cases, that revenue or cost savings can be the difference between having the project get green lighted and executed or not. So it's been a great opportunity to move over to Quantella and mm -hmm. really feel like we're making a difference today uh, in our ability to offer up some of these options for cities that at this point, in many cases, are, are just incredibly budget strapped. Oh, sure. Of course. Uh, who isn't at the moment? Uh, yeah. I'd say, but um I want to I want to jump right in because as always we have uh, very little time here and never enough. So uh, uh, the first thing I want to do is get straight down to to brass tacks. I agree that one of the most important things the smart city can do to get going and get citizenry to buy in and get companies to to leverage infrastructures to put that connectivity infrastructure in place, the robust Wi-Fi, and a lot of the reason that a lot of communities aren't doing that is because some big companies in the telecom space who should remain nameless, but I don't care, like like Comcast, have sued municipalities for setting up Wi-Fi and have really interfered with this. And it's bullshit. I'm calling them out. <laughs> but uh, did you run into that trouble in Erie? Was there, is there some sort of a... a um, sort of monopoly by legislation there? How did you get around it? If so, how did they get so lucky if not? <laughs> well, the, the great thing about the city of Erie, and, and just to set the stage for the project, yeah, the, the discussions with Erie started well before the pandemic, as you can imagine. No, mm -hmm. no city project moves that quickly, even if it's a medium or smaller size city, all you have is fewer stakeholders. But there's still a number of uh, processes that you have to go through. What was great about the city of Erie was that from the top down, the leadership down, the mayor down, he was behind this project from day one because what he felt was, uh, besides the fact that we were doing other smart city uh, initiatives, right, with our mm -hmm. own software and things, he was really aware and actually uh, an incredibly insightful considering how impactful it's going to be moving forward was that in his city, there are opportunity zones, the areas that have been uh, declared these zones because of the lack of technology and uh, lower income areas for businesses and citizens were very much technology poor. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to change that. He wanted to equal the playing field with his citizens about providing a public Wi-Fi network that could really be uh, impactful for our citizens and not just be in the downtown area, where in most cases, those businesses and those citizens 
probably have pretty good connectivity, but also move it out into three or four of the main opportunity zones that don't, right? Okay. Yeah. And that was the big thing. And initially there wasn't any problem because the city was behind it. If there were problems, they cleared the roads before we had the discussions with them. So, you know, knock on wood for good, good things. In this case, uh, we did not have to deal with some of the thousand uh, pound gorillas yeah. um, that yeah. are in the marketplace that sometimes create, you know, uh, roadblocks that make things more challenging. Right. Sure. So in this case with the city being at the top of the food chain, um, it made for a much more positive environment. So we worked with the city, we got an understanding of what they were trying to achieve. And the other great thing is that as many cities know, um, there are a lot of grants and programs out there. So we worked with them and they were able to come up with a grant and program that would help offset the cost. Mm -hmm. And then we brought in Digital Alpha, our funding partner to complement that, that ingestion of funds yep. and have enough money to complete the project. So it was one of those true hybrids that in theory, you hear about, but don't always execute properly. Mm -hmm. um, and then it worked. And then, of course, our next big challenge, because um, they at that point brought me in and I've been working on customer experience, revenue generation and value proposition on technology and getting the most out of it for smart cities, communities, stadiums, which are in many cases could be smart cities on game day um, to basically come in and make sure that the platform that we were creating is something we could roll out and provide high value to other cities. This didn't want to become a one-off. This wanted to become uh, a model for what we wanted to do. And one of the things I've seen in the last 10 years, and, and I'm sure you've experienced it because Wi-Fi onboarding portals are everywhere, right? If you go to sure. Starbucks and you go to log on, there's that click of the, you know, the terms and conditions and you get passed through. Usually you see an offer, a promotion, a logo. Maybe you have to watch a video, but basically it's a pass through. Yeah. Um, I wanted to bring back what a portal started as, which was they were trying to be kind of a, a, a poor, a per persons or an easily accessible kind of app like experience without having to download an app. And as you know, we don't need another app. We all have enough apps on our phones to, to, to fill them up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we wanted a company that would help us re-envision that experience by providing, you know, high value, but quick access elements like, uh, the latest local news for Erie, the latest COVID uh, restrictions or changes, um, the ability to have a small business um, initiative, right? To help drive consumers back to small businesses, but also provide them a value because they're hurting too, right? Businesses and citizens are hurting. Um, and also still have the ability to have a platform that could support uh, you know, national, regional, and local advertising partners. And we found that in a partner called uh, CloudSpot. And CloudSpot, um, I can't say enough of them as far as when you look at partners, you want to look at somebody who's providing a high level of technology, but also a really smart uh, support team um, that's going to go in there and, and be willing to take the blinders off. And when I came to them and said, this is what I'm looking for, and I had done some simple mock-ups, um, we all rolled up our sleeves and talked about how we could take what I put together and continue to evolve that because you know, nobody wants another app and I don't see anybody downloading the city app mo most normally, but if I can get you when you onboard to say, wow, I could actually one click and I'm on the city website, I could pay bills, I can get information, I can get butts scheduled, I can see um, you basically the latest news, weather, all those things. But more importantly, I can also get deals and information based on my location in the city and the time of day 
where dynamically offers and opportunities from small businesses will pop up and engage me as I'm getting online based on my location. So an example, if it's noon and I'm downtown, it mm-hmm. might say that the cafe across the street has a, a lunch special, yeah. right? Driving me there. Um, things that are intuitive, right? Because if you try to present me with offers and opportunities that aren't intuitive at a certain time and location, they have, they're, they're going to fall by the wayside or well, right. as they say in Star, Star Wars, you know, they're going to implode on the surface, right? It, they're never going to, they're never going to hit the target. Yeah, I think you're right. And, um, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the partnership aspect of this because, uh, I think as a general rule, any IOT project is a partnership endeavor. Uh, no, no one company should try to do it all and be it all. It just doesn't work as well. But I think that's especially true in the smart city. There's just so many stakeholders, so many pieces of it. You've got to be good at partnerships. So, um, uh, you've kind of already started to dig into this, but I'd love to hear more about about some of the partnerships and, and the the one with uh, with um, my brain is failing me. CloudSpot, uh, uh, CloudSpot in particular, because I know that was uh, really tight. Sort of, how did that partnership work, and and how did it come together? And I also want to touch base on sort of the. Uh, the way the focus of the program changed as COVID sort of rolled in, because I know that you had initial goals and then of course it became this great track and tracing uh, solution. Yes. So Absolutely. let's, let's start by talking about partnerships a little bit more. How did it, how did you guys work with CloudSpot and how did that sort of come together? Well, just to even take a step back further, uh, we started working with Velocity Network VNet in Pittsburgh, uh, mm-hmm. or I shouldn't say Pittsburgh, I should say Erie um, in Erie. And, uh, and work with the local city and they had great connections with the local city and they have been absolutely, uh, Chris Ponsford and the whole team there have been spectacular. There are boots on the ground, so to speak. Um, and then CloudSpot was chosen by Quantella and our CEO, uh, Amr, um, who knew of them, uh, a lot of them. And it's funny, we always joke that, you know, when you're in Cisco and you leave, it's like the mafia, you're always connected for the rest of your life as a family. <laughs> um, but a lot of them are ex Cisco, very smart people. Uh, mm-hmm. Navi, one of the, the lead developers there, uh, was one of the folks behind some of the, the really great technology that Cisco uses in their, uh, in their APs and their Wi-Fi for tracking people and dwell times and movement and that sort of thing. Right. So you had, you had a very smart team who were, was evolving the technologies that are out there that are really the cutting-edge technologies and now creating variations and, and, and basically evolving them um, to really provide a high level of tools and value. So what we have is not just your basic portal um, that could be literally created in a matter of hours. That's what's so great about cloud-based solutions like this, right? Yeah, of course. If, if we can drag and drop and create a portal, you and I, you know, if we can do a little bit of graphics and some content and do it literally within an hour, hour and a half, basic mm-hmm. and make it even more robust if we have a little more time. Lots of great built-in features. So no matter what I brought up, features existed that could be applied very quickly. Right. And they were also open to the effect of, of, uh, of how we're evolving both the experience and the revenue side. And that's what's important is to have a fully robust uh, solution like this. Because when I'm going in now, I, I, I moved from being the Quantella uh, you know, representative to being the experience portal guy. And it's all about our partner at that point mm-hmm. because we're using his solution to drive that component, which is really the one that the citizens are going to engage with. Yeah. So what's really terrific was we were able to put it together. We spent more time on design and discussion 
And then when it came to the actual implementation, it was just a couple days of, of basically a few hours of putting it together and then testing on the ground. What's that um, old uh, carpenter's adage, you know, uh, measure once, cut six times? Is that what, how it goes? It, it, <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. So we measured a lot, but we wanted to get it right. You know, we obviously had a chain of, of review processes with the city. But uh-huh. what I think we really put together was a real powerful set of features that we now want to pick up and leverage to other mid-tier and smaller cities. We're not just focusing on the big cities. Mm-hmm. We, right. we feel that it's important to offer opportunities across America, right? To really start to look at how we can equalize the, the technology distribution, right? Across, because as we know, there are less populated areas that are um, don't have as many technology options. Yeah. Right? Um, so Quantel, or, so CloudSpot is great because feature-rich set. There wasn't anything we came up with that had to be customized starting from scratch. We got to take features and optimize them for the platform. We were able to move quickly, get it out in the field, and then use their dashboards, which then track everything from location, how many users, who spent what time where. And even though initially for the launch, we started out in a main centralized park area in the center of Erie based on the COVID uh, um, pandemic actually slowing everything down from getting the rest of the hardware from Cisco mm-hmm. um, to just getting people out there to deploy it, right? We yeah. are actually still deploying it. Um, some people have been funny about meeting. Uh, we've had to meet with a lot of businesses to get access to their buildings, right. right? To put APs on and that sort of thing. But CloudSpot has been great. They give us the data. We're seeing people out, you know, staying on, uh, you know, with the connectivity as long as 45 minutes, we're getting a great number of impressions and a great high level of usage. So the fact that we have static content, dynamic content based on location, based on time of day, we also have the ability to push the portal back to you so that you can be reminded there's other options besides connectivity. Mm-hmm. Um, all that's great. And the other thing I do want to mention about CloudSpot that makes them really a, a great partner too is they also do digital signage. And digital signage that's cloud-based, that's really focused on cities. Mm-hmm. So for once you have an, a, 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 a solution partner that can do both signage and Wi-Fi portals, meaning you have an AnyGlass experience automatically. Right, right. They automatically communicate with each other, which is not usually the case. Those are usually siloed. So that really allows us to provide a lot of extra value as we look to move down and add more solutions to right. Erie and then other customers. So I look at CloudSpot as being a great cornerstone in this project. They they delivered the the one piece that that really came to life as this the citizen facing portal, and then our solution is on the back end monitoring sensors and the data we get from CloudSpot. And of course, we're looking to add some other smart city solutions in the coming next twelve to eighteen months. That's awesome. Um, uh, we're unfortunately running low on time and I have two things that I want to talk about. So I'm going to not make you talk about the COVID shift because uh, I think that it's really interesting uh, the way you guys sort of were able to leverage this for the tracing, but I'm going to take that as a given because I want to, what I want to talk about is you'd mentioned in passing the revenue component yeah. and, and how the, this implementation is, is driving revenue. Now, I want to hear more about that because obviously everyone wants to know about that. Smart sure. cities are notoriously revenue neutral or negative. Uh, is this revenue coming back toward the city to defray tax income? Is it going to the local businesses? Obviously, some of it's got to be coming your way and toward CloudSpot. So how is that being generated and where is it all going? Sure. A great question. So 
the whole program works because certain solutions are going to pro provide you either with cost savings like smart lighting mm -hmm. to the point that they're you know, in, in extremely large numbers, right? A lighting project could save you a couple million dollars a year that yeah. you would actually pay out in true dollars. So right. you can now take, say, 50% of that and push that back into supporting the investment, right? The payback of the investment. Mm -hmm. um, and also keep some revenue back for the city also. Every deal that we structure, we always have a component that goes back to the city, right? So this is not like, you know, pay us every cent that we've invested into this technology. It's really set up to go over a number of years. The The fund is in no hurry. In, in the case of some of our smart city projects, they are as long as eight years, mm -hmm. right? Which means by doing an eight-year rollout, uh, as far as the revenue share goes, the city's going to reap some of that revenue share every year. And it usually starts a little less in the beginning. And as you start to, to, to you know, chip away at that investment, it starts to go heavier for the city. Right. right customer and it's the it's it's a lot of it's driven like in in um in both the wi-fi portal and digital signage it's going to be driven by advertising partners and messaging partners okay right so as an example when i talked about the smart city initiative uh well an advertising partner might spend hundreds of dollars to get a high profile presence on the front page right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. potentially thousands depending on the city but a local business might pay 25 dollars a month to be part of that promotional list that pops up engagement opportunities. It's meant to be a low bar, but also give the city back a little bit of revenue, but make it something that they can't afford not to be a part of. So we hopefully can generate a tremendous amount of opportunity and leads for them. Now, right. remember, we also look into things like Erie does, you know, 30 events, one of which has almost equal to the population city. It does like 85,000 people come into the city. Wow. Right? So all of these, add to the bigger whole. The city is 94,000 people, but the uh, surrounding area is 400,000. Mm -hmm. So that's a nice big audience that we do, you know, bring into. So we have our partner in this case is iHeartRadio. Uh -huh. So iHeartRadio is our advertising partner in the city of Erie. They actually have an office in Erie. So it's proven to be a great, you know, partnership there. But in other cities, we have relationships now with three or four different large advertising networks. So what we're trying to do is set up this process so the cities don't have to worry about it. Right. right. I'm trying to come in and say, I know you guys don't do this. So we want to bring in partners to help you succeed. Yeah. Uh, I'm not trying to get you into advertising or into cost savings. We want to put in a structure that that will basically support you for years to come. Right. Right. It's a, it, it allows the city to almost white label a, uh, a citizen benefit that, that doesn't cost the citizens anything. And in fact, over time can potentially defray their tax uh, expenditures um, yep. and while not having to add in layers of infrastructure work where they have to hire, well, now I need an advertising director or, a, exactly. or an app manager yeah. person. Like, yeah, they it's way outside the wheelhouse of almost any city. Yep. Um, so that's, uh, I, I like the sort of low impact, high return that you guys are trying yep. to create here for the, for, for Erie and, and presumably moving into to other cities. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, signage is going to be your big plate. That's where you get the most revenue mm -hmm. from an advertising standpoint. Sure. And what they call street furniture now, you know, kiosks or yep. or uh, uh, signage attached to lighting poles actually have a great way to communicate with, with you know, non-touch non frictionless communication mm -hmm. today is not a bad thing. 
It's true. Uh, I've seen uh, 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 bus shelters that seem to have uh, uh, intelligent signage built in, rolling over or whatever. Obviously, everybody's seen Absolutely. the billboards and things like yeah. that. But I assume that there's also uh, uh, more local versions of that where each individual retail shop might be able to be responsive to Absolutely. the geofencing of the local per- uh, of the person coming by and ping a push notification, sure. all that sort of thing tied to the signage. Yeah. Imagine that bus shelter telling you the temperature telling you the bus is five minutes away and mm-hmm. monetizing for the city. Right. There's actually- a You have time to get a coffee from the shop right over there. Exactly. <laughs> you never really know, right? And who wants to miss their bus? Yep, the other yep. side of it is I've seen some cities now and I think it's incredibly powerful. They're using it at times as a cycle, right? To bring up information to tell the homeless folks where the nearest shelter is. Oh, that's cool. Food. And I thought, you know, in, in, in states like California, because of our climate and states like Hawaii, we do have a homeless problem because it's harder to live in Connecticut in the winter as a homeless person than it might yeah. be in a Western state where at least the, the although sadly, uh, sadly know. it happens. Uh, I live right near New Haven and they're trying to figure that out still too. So exactly. yeah. Yeah. But I thought this was a great use of the technology to say two blocks away is a shelter. You can get warm food, you know, giving you the ability to use it in ways that are really out of the box. Yep. And uh, as we get near the end, you get to find out how crazy I really am when I say all we have to do now is uh, put in the the algorithm so that it tells them not where the shelter is, but where the empty building that doesn't have any tenants in it is where the landlord is giving away housing. That's, yeah. We move to that phase and then, <laughs> yeah. and then we're good. Programs that make sense, right? Yeah. We still yeah. haven't figured out this. <laughs> This is a this is one of those equations that as much as we've thrown a lot of time and money at it, nobody's come up with with a really good answer yet. Well, to be fair, there is a really good answer. It's just nobody wants to do it. And that's just give the houses away. We've got a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that's a very different podcast that I'll be yeah, crazy that on is there. A very different podcast. <laughs> I will be um, listening. <laughs> Ed, where can folks find out more about Quantella and about your work out there on the uh, worldwide interwebs? Absolutely. Quantella.com. It's very easy. It's Q-U-A-N-T-E-L-A. We're also, uh, just search Quantella on Facebook. If you go to the, the website, you'll find it. I'm on LinkedIn under Ed Olson. You'll see me there. And uh, if you need to get a hold of me, those are many ways you can do it. If you have a city or a project in need of funding, please reach out to me. We're here to help. We can identify it very quickly and let you know if it's a possible candidate for our program. Awesome. And uh, those links uh, and everything will be in the show notes for you folks out there listening. So you can click through on there. Please visit IOTEvolutionWorld.com for all the fits that's news to print in the IOT. Uh, make sure you, you surf on over to IOTEvolutionExpo.com to get yourself registered at the early bird rates. Take a look at sponsoring or exhibiting. And of course, take a look at our Smart City agenda as it develops. We're going to be talking about that a lot. And maybe I'll be twisting Ed's arm to join the speaking faculty. But we won't do that live on the air, so you don't have to answer yet. Ed, thank you so much for being my guest. This has been really a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Ken. I look forward to listening. Hey, guys, we had a little technical difficulty at the very end of this episode, but hang on for a little message from me. I just wanted to pop on for a moment because this is the last episode upon which I will be appearing as host. I think you all know that I have really loved being your host here on IoT Time, but it's just time for me to move on and... I'll be going on to a new exciting opportunity, and I think those of you in the IoT will not have any problem finding me if you want to follow along. It has been a real pleasure working with you, sharing the stories of my guests with you, and all of their wonderful insights over the past five seasons of IoT Time. Your feedback 
and help and excitement about what we've been doing with IoT Time has been a real pleasure and a real gift to me. So I just wanted to pop this message on to the end of this episode to say thank you, to remind you to take care of each other, and to tell you that I appreciate you. You can find me, as always and as usual, at Ken Briota on Twitter, or look me up on LinkedIn. I'd be happy to connect with any of you. I wish I could do more, but unfortunately, this is all the IoT time I have left. Have a great day.